0: I invite your attention to the book of Matthew, the 21st chapter. This is a very unique chapter, very unique circumstance that Jesus is again being faced with those who are opposing him. You know, the life of Jesus can be chronologically divided into approximately 200 events. It depends on who's doing it, but usually it's the upper 180, 190s, different events in the life of our Lord. Uh, The one I use is 212 different events. So give or take 200 events. This event right here is what we're going to talk about tonight. Matthew 21, please. Let's begin at verse 23. Now I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version. Matthew 21, begin verse 23. Now when Jesus came into the temple the chief priests and the elders of the people confronted him as he was teaching and said, by what authority are you doing these things and who gave you this authority? But Jesus said unto them, I also will ask you one thing, which if you would tell me, I also would tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John. Where was it from? From heaven or from men? And they reasoned among themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say to us, Why did you not then believe him? But if we should say from men, we fear the multitude, for all hold John as a prophet. So they answered Jesus and said, We do not know. And he said unto them, Neither will I tell you, by what authority I do these things. This story is a very masterful piece of assistance to help me and you to grow spiritually, to make sure that our name is truly written in the Lamb's Book of Life. If we will yield to the Lord's unchanging hand. It is a magnificent story because we find Jesus once again standing eye to eye and toe to toe and dealing with those who oppose him. Now you will find very few people today who will say, I oppose Jesus, like you did in the day that he lived on this earth. But by their actions, they oppose Jesus. They want to change the way he did things. In this reading of Matthew 21, 23-27, these chief priests and these elders They've been plotting a variety of ways to try to get Jesus and trick him, get him to say something that they would have just cause to crucify him. So this time, it's interesting how many different times they've tried, but this time, they asked him, they said, the chief priests and the elders of the city now, by what authority do you do these things? And who gave you this authority? Now I want you to know today, that's not a bad question. Neither one of those. By what authority? And he gave you this authority. And I encourage everyone here to keep those questions, these four questions that we learned in Matthew 21, 23 to 27, close in your heart and on the tip of your tongue. That's a great way of having a discussion about what, what authority do you do these things, and who gave you that authority? Well, Jesus was not hesitant to answer their question. He could easily answer their question. However, he chose to use another approach. He said, tell you what I'll do, boys. I will ask you a question. You answer mine. I'll answer yours. Now, Jesus did that quite a bit during his ministry. Whenever you read and study the life of the Lord and you study it in chronological event, or you just read it through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you take take special attention to notice how many times he was questioned, numerous of times he returned a question with a question. And Jesus said, I'm going to ask you a question. And you'll answer mine, I'll answer yours. He said the baptism of John, which is the prevailing teaching of the day. The baptism of John, where did it come from? Did it come from heaven or did it come from men? Again, a very good question. These four questions, by what authority, who gave you this authority, is it from heaven or is it from men, is really a strong approach. And discuss with what nearly any topic from a biblical basis. Well, the chief priests and the elders were stunned by the Lord's response. They had to get over here and kind of have a little huddle. And try to discuss, what are we going to do with that? You know what's going to happen. If we say it is from heaven, he's going to say, why did you not obey him? That's what he's going to say. You know what he's going to say. He's going to say, why did not you do it? Why don't you obey him if it's from heaven? And another gentleman no doubt would have said, but if we say it's from man, look at all these people. This multitude of people, they're likely to take our life and do us damage. We're just going to have to go out there and more or less plead the fifth and just simply say we don't know. That's the conclusion of their little huddle. So they go back to Jesus and they said, We can't tell. They knew well and good the answer to their, the question the Lord asked. And he said, Well, neither tell I you by what authority I do these things. It is very interesting that Jesus knew exactly how it could be to show these chief priests and these elders To show them up and show they were not being honest. This multitude of people, they knew the baptism of John. They knew where it came from. But these people rather say we don't know than to give the true and honest answer. He knew they were not honest. Therefore, what did he do? He showed they were not honest before the people. That is a great story and a great event. Jesus had to be on his toes Every step of the way in his preaching and his teaching during his ministry, during his entire 33 years on this earth, people were always trying to tempt him, trick him, uh, put him into a bind. He was ready at every occasion. It is so wonderful to read the life of our Lord in the four Gospels and to see how it is that he won every time someone confronted him. The New King James Version Use the word they confronted him. Confrontation is not very nice. We don't enjoy being confronted. Oh, but Jesus had to do it day in and day out. He had to be on his toes. But he was a man of God. He was the son of the almighty God. He was coming to preserve us a way that we can reach eternal life in heaven. He was tempted in all points like we are, yet without sin. He preached many great sermons. He gave many great parables. He did many great miracles. He, my dear friend, prayed many prayers. And he, he gained a, a watchful eye. And people wanted to go with him. And wherever he would go, there'd be a crowd of people wanted to follow him. And times, he just had to escape the crowd for a little while, maybe just to take a breather. Jesus had a mission, and his mission was, I want to save the people from their sins, Matthew 1 and verse 21. I just absolutely, personally adore the opportunity of reading these events in the life of Jesus and see how he responded to people who were his adversaries. Christian friends, listen, you're going to have adversaries in this life. They're going to laugh at you at times and make fun of you. You're going to go to church every night for a a whole week. You're going to go to church every Sunday. You're not going to miss any. I mean, you go 51 times a year and you're going to make yourself have to go that 52nd time of the year. You can't take a vacation and not go to church if you're gone on Sunday. People will laugh at you. They'll make fun of you. But you stand proud, not proud in a bad way, but you stand up being very distinguished and very committed. I'm following Jesus. He gave his all for me. I'm going to give my all to him. It is so wonderful, so wonderful to see how Jesus responded. We can learn a lot from that. Now I want to tell you what. I want everybody here to, rem- to memorize these four questions. They're not hard. By what authority? Who gave you this authority? Is it from heaven or from man? Nearly any Bible topic you want to talk about in a home study with your friends, family, community, prospect, you can talk with them, and you can get to Matthew 21, 23 through 25. And when you get there, you can begin it. By what authority? Who gave this authority? From heaven or from men? I love it when people ask me, by what authority do you do what you do? Now they may word it differently. But they want to basically know why do you do what you do? And i said, well I'm glad you asked. And if you don't mind, I'd like to ask you the same thing. By what authority do you do what you do? Oh, whether you're talking about singing, whether you're talking about the communion, whether you're talking about preaching, there are rules in the scriptures, there are Teach it in the New Testament, whereby we want to submit ourselves to. And we want to make sure that what we do, we have authority for it. We want to make sure we have authority from heaven, from the word of God. We want to make sure it's from heaven and not from men. The majority of the religious world today follows the teaching of man rather than the teaching that came from heaven. Yet, the Bible said in Proverbs 3 verse 5, Solomon, who wrote this great book, and this is indeed a great book. When you think of Proverbs, most people think of Proverbs 31, and it is indeed a wonderful chapter about a virtuous woman. But at this time, let's look at Proverbs 3 and verse 5. The Bible said, trust in the Lord. Lean not to your own understanding. Now listen, that puts us all in place. Trust in the Lord. Do not lean to whatever you think. What you think and what I think does not make something right or wrong. What makes it right or wrong is by what authority? Who gave you that authority, either from heaven or from man. That's makes something right or wrong. Now, if you had written the Bible, guess what? You would have written it differently than what the Lord and through the apostles and the Holy Spirit did. I would have written it differently. I will assure you. But guess what? You didn't and I didn't. It is through the mighty will of God and his majestic plan that the Holy Scriptures are written by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It teaches us everything we need to know in our spiritual life, how to worship, what we should believe, all the great truths of Scripture. And we should be so excited to follow it. We can always go back to these four questions. And we can always go to Proverbs and we can learn, listen, it's not what I want that matters, it's what does the Lord want. And we've got to have that heart. The heart that said, it's what the Lord wants. That's what matters. It's not what I want. I may have done things differently. I know I would have. And you would have. But listen, we are servants of the Lord Almighty. We're yielding to his unchanging hand. You know, we used to sing a song and it's been a long time that I remember it being in one of our song books. Yield not to temptation for yielding is sin. So many times we we read and we study and we lean over to the way of the world and we we yield to temptation. This song says it so well and uh, some of you may have never heard that song, but, but most of us my age around, we've heard it. We used to hear it all the time. and Preachers used to preach on it and really made us think, do not yield to temptation for yielding is sin. Dear friend, I want you to make sure that in your life, in your worship, wherever you maybe move off to and attend a, an assembly somewhere else, you make sure that is a faithful congregation that is worshiping by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're worshiping by things that came from heaven and not from man. They're trusting in the Lord and not their own. Now, Proverbs 16 and 25 is very similar to Proverbs 3 and 5. It's worded a little bit differently, but it says the same basic truth. And Proverbs 16 and 25, Solomon said the following. He said, there is a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof is the way of death. So understand, if we engage and we embrace the way of man, we're not going to be saved. Our name is not going to stay written in the last book of life. Our name is going to be blotted out. If you want to make sure your name's in the Lamb's Book of Life, you yield to what the Lord wants, and you do not yield to man's way. Men and women have managed to start a great number, hundreds, yea, thousands, of different religious organizations. Every item of worship has been changed. The singing, the prayers, the communion, the contribution, The teaching, all of that's been changed by man. Not by God, but by man. It is amazing how people embrace the ways of man rather than staying true to the word of God. I do not understand. I do realize that some people are deceived by smooth and fair speeches. They're deceived because people are very persuasive in what they teach. I ask of you to take your word of God with you and keep it close. Ladies, keep it in your purse. Keep it in your car. Keep it handy. Men, keep it in your pocket. Keep it in your glove box in your car. Keep it in your desk, your word. Whatever your circumstance is, keep it handy. And when someone has an opportunity and they ask you a question, be ready to pull it out and say, well, here's what the Bible says. Or simply, what does the Bible say about that? You know, I love it when people say, Alan, do you really believe whatever? I go, you know what, i gonna be honest with you. It doesn't matter what I believe. That doesn't make it right or doesn't make it wrong. What matters is what does the scriptures teach. That's what makes it right or wrong. Now, it matters what I believe as far as obeying the will of God. But I can say it's wrong, but that doesn't make, make it wrong. What makes it wrong is if it violates the will of God. I can say it's right. That doesn't make it right unless it's supported by book, chapter, and verse in Scripture. And that is the thought and the message we need to leave with people. We have to plant seeds along the way. Give them food for thought. And my dear friends, listen. Matthew 21, 23 through 27 establishes by what authority And this little story and those few verses teach volumes of lessons that will help people get committed to serving the Lord and that's what it's all about to make sure that our name is really written in heaven but you know when you go down to John 8 verse 31 to 32 Jesus preaching one of his masterful messages he said in John 8 31 and 32 he said if you continue in my word then are you my disciples and you shall know the truth And the truth shall set you free. Share with your friends. Share with your family. Make sure you yield to the things that are true. And you will be saved. If, if Jesus said, if you continue my word, then are you my disciples. And you shall know the truth. And the truth shall set you free. If it's a conditional word. On the condition that you continue my word, then you're my disciple. And you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. My dear friends, you know your life better than I do. You don't have to try to persuade me. You're right. You need to know within yourself you're right. And you're right before God Almighty. And you can know that if you continue following his word. If you continue my word, Jesus said, then you're my disciple. Now I want to tell you something. If you're not, Following his word, you're not a faithful disciple. Now that might sting, but that is the truth. There are such things the Bible talks about blotted out your name by the Lamb's book of life. How terrible it would be for you to have salvation in the palm of your hand, only to let it just drift away and get away from you. Because Satan has put something before you that you've chosen to yield to. My dear friends, stay faithful to the end. All the way to the end, eternal life will be your home. Well, you know, as you continue to think, I don't want to follow men, you look at John 14 and verse 6, and Jesus made it abundantly clear no if, no ands, and no buts. Jesus said in John 14, Verse 6, at this occasion, speaking to his apostles, he said, I want you to know, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man come to the Father but by me. Wow, that's a powerful passage. I love John 14, John 15, and John 16, where Jesus is talking to his apostles. And he was really consoling them. You know, as a matter of fact, if you take a look at John 14, verses 1 through 3, those are the passages you hear at many or most funerals. And it's fine to have it used at a funeral, but the occasion that it was given was Jesus consoling his apostles about his departure. You know what Jesus said to them? Let not your heart be troubled. Do you believe in God? Believe also in me. In my father's house, he said, There are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare your place. And if I go, I will come again, that where I am, there ye may be also. Don't you know that? Automatically, right off the bat, (sighs) relax the apostles. They were very alarmed and they're kind of upset because Jesus had said, I'm going to leave. And there's only very few verses that he said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. You stay following me, and heaven will be your home. And John 17, he prayed for those apostles. I mentioned I love reading John 14, John 15, and John 16. Those are three chapters where the Lord is consoling his apostles about his departure. And then... In John 17, he prays. He prays a mighty prayer. And if, many of your Bibles will have subheadings. Some versions will say Jesus prayed for himself. Jesus prayed for his current disciples, meaning apostles. And then Jesus prayed for future apostles or future disciples. But some would have worded differently. But he, if you break that prayer into three categories, he begins with praying for himself. He begins with, Oh, Father, glorify thy me with thine own self, which I had with thee before the world was. In verse 5. Wow. Jesus said, I'm ready to come home, Dad. I'm ready to come home, Father. I want to be with you. I want it to be like it was between me and you before the world was. I'm ready to come back. He was nearing his death, and he was ready. John 17 is truly the Lord's Prayer. Many people like to go over to Matthew 6, verse 9 to 13, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Great passage of scripture. And they said, that's the Lord's Prayer. And in school, back in our days in school, back before you, you couldn't have a Bible and you couldn't have prayer, we recited that prayer every morning. Stood up, we had to stand up beside our desk, and we would recite that every morning. And it wasn't a Christian school, it was a puppet school. And then we would salute the flag. And that's just kind of a morning routine. My dear friends, listen, times have changed, and uh, you just can't hardly do that anymore, not without some difficulty. But I love it when I I know that people are still staying the course and talking to people about spiritual things. Well, in John 17, verse 20 and 21, when Jesus was praying for the apostles in 14, 15, 16, he spoke words of comfort. And then he prayed to God Almighty for the apostles. He said, I pray that you'll all be one as thou art in me. I want you to be one. He said, I want my future disciple. That's you and that is me, that we're one. Let me tell you what, a church unified is priceless. Total priceless. A church in constant disarray, constant fussing and fighting and feuding and people mad at somebody for this, that or the other, for doing something or not doing something, on and on it goes that can be disruptive to the growth and the maturity of a congregation. Everybody, get a hold of this now. Jesus prayed that all the future disciples would be one, just like the Father and the Son are one. I'm going to tell you something. However you, whatever number you place on your membership, however number it is, that's the number. It's great. I'm going to tell you something. Every member, men and women, Boys and girls, everybody, it is their duty to promote peace and harmony in the church. It takes everybody in the congregation to have the oneness that Jesus talked about in John 17. And do you know what? It takes only one person to foul that up. Only one person. Somebody got up on the wrong side of the bed and they're going to take it out on somebody else and and here they go mouthing off and popping off and making somebody feel terrible and then you've dominoed one down to two and then it goes to three to four and then people begin to take sides and and it just begins to go downhill fast. It takes everybody to be peaceful and, and provide harmony. One person is all it takes to create a division or a problem. My friends, don't you ever dare become that one person. Keep your name written in the book of life. Keep your name written in heaven and make sure that you are not responsible for a problem. Jesus prayed that the apostles would be one. He prayed for a future disciple would be one. Let's continue on here. First 1 Corinthians 1, verse 10. Wow. In this passage of scripture, the Apostle Paul is writing a troubled congregation, the congregation of Corinth. And before we thump on them too much, let us understand. The Church of Corinth was a newly established congregation. It was in a town of six hundred current thousand people. Over a half a million people made up the city of Corinth. And there were a bunch of difficulties within that. But they did have not have a church. They did not have a faithful congregation. And what Paul said, I'm going to go right in the heart of there, and I'm going to establish the church. They need the Lord. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, after Paul had established this great work, you can read about that in Acts 18, but we're not going to take the time to do that right now. But he wrote them a letter and there was division in the group. And there's much I can preach about 1 Corinthians. But we just look at verse 10. If you're with me, 1 Corinthians 1.10, this is a powerful passage. Now I beseech you therefore, brethren, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that y'all speak the same thing. Get a hold of that. Same thing. And that there be no division among you but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Now, if you write in your Bible, you might want to underline the same thing. Underline no division. Underline perfectly joined together. Underline same mind. Underline the same judgment. That one verse is power packed. It really helps us to understand this is what the Lord's will is. It takes effort, genuine effort. It takes love and commitment to the Lord to do that. And then all throughout 1 Corinthians. You know, 1 Corinthians is one of the most practical books of the New Testament. Really, 1 Corinthians and James are considered to be the most two, two most practical books of the Bible. It tells you a problem and a solution, problem and solution, all the way through 1 Corinthians, problem and solution. And it's a wonderful book to preach out of. It's easy to to preach out of. I've held gospel meetings where every sermon was from 1 Corinthians. We just went, you know, situation by situation and learned what we could and reminded they had a problem, here was their solution. If we have that problem, we need the same solution. Today, in order to fulfill that prayer that Jesus prayed, we need to be of the same mind, the same accord, the same judgment, and we need to really follow that. Now, 2 Corinthians 13, and verse 5. <clears throat> the Apostle Paul wrote the church of Corinth. 1 Corinthians 16 chapters. 2 Corinthians 13 chapters. That's 29 chapters he wrote to the church of Corinth. Now, these letters were separate, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, But it wasn't long after he wrote the first one that he wrote the second one. But he said in chapter 13, verse 5, which is the very last chapter of 2 Corinthians, he said, examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove yourselves, know yourself how Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobate. The word reprobate simply means unable to stand or pass the test. Examine yourself, prove yourself, know yourself. Listen, you've got to examine yourself and know yourself, prove yourself. Oh, people just get all wrinkled up. You think, well, you've got to prove yourself. People don't like that. But you know what? The Bible talks about that. You need to take an inventory of your life, examine it, prove it, and know yourself. You know what? Before you can really ever really know yourself, you've got to examine yourself and prove yourself. Then you can really know yourself. All right. 2 Peter 2, verse 1. Now we can turn to another thought of what happens when people follow men. Let's look at 2 Peter 2, 1, and then we'll go to 1 John 4, verse 1, and Revelation 2, 2. And I, I want to just simply show you that the Lord addressed the fact and he was fully aware of the fact in 2 Peter 2.1, there'd be false prophets out there. Even though there should be false teachers among you, 2 Peter 2.1. And in 1 John 4.1, can be false spirits out there. In Revelation 2.2, there can be false apostles. Even during the day of the writing of John, he said to the church at Ephesus, there's false apostles who claim to be apostles then are not and found those men to be liars. My dear friends, you've got to stand up and be firm. You've got to stand up and get a thus saith the Lord. However rugged or however smooth a person may be in explaining whatever they want to explain, you, put, you compare it to book, chapter, verse in the Bible. I love it when people ask me, why do you do this? I like to say, well, because of the authority given to us by the Lord. And it's from heaven, it's not from man. I love taking them right back to Matthew 21. Many questions. I believe I could say most questions people ask, I would go to Matthew 21. Let's turn over here let me show you. We go to Matthew 21 and establish by what authority and who gave you this authority. I've got several lessons that when I'm preaching on establishing Bible authority and such like, I may begin here, but then I, I take off down another path and, and continue on showing the importance of Scripture. But that's not what this meeting is designed to do. And so tonight will be the only lesson on that. Well, where do people go? If they don't follow heaven, that is God and Jesus, and they go to following man, many people say, well, I want to let my conscience be my guide. All right, look at Acts 23, verse 1. Let's take a look at that, because what people say today, you've heard it, you've heard it, most of you have all heard it, if you've been involved in personal work at all, you've heard it. People say, well, listen, it doesn't hurt my conscience at all to do this and do that. The Apostle Paul wrote these words. And Paul, Luke wrote it about Paul, I should say. And Paul earnestly, Acts 23, verse 1, right here, Acts 23, verse 1. And Paul, earnestly beholding the council, he said, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. Wow. If you take time to read Acts 23, you see Paul standing before the council defending himself. He said, Don't you know, I've lived in all good conscience. But he's going to portray unto them how he has sinned. How he was wrong. Listen, just because something does not bother your conscience, does not mean it's okay. It doesn't mean that at all. You know why? The Bible talks about it in 1 Timothy 4 two that people can have their conscience seared with a hot iron. Let me tell you something. Now, now this is very pointed, very direct, but I'm going to say it because this needs to be heard. And you need to be reminded of this. I'm sure you've heard it before, but you need to be reminded of this. And I do too. If you commit a sin, whatever that sin is something you say, something you do, places you go, whatever the sin is the first time you do it, I mean, it just oh man, it just hurts your conscience something, something terribly. Well, the next time it's not quite as bad, the third time, not near as bad. And next thing you know, I can commit that sin and it doesn't bother me anymore that's when you get really scared because I can commit sin. I can lie and it don't bother me anymore. I can be immoral and now it doesn't bother me anymore because I've done it so much. Whenever you get to the point that you commit sin and it doesn't bother you anymore, my dear friends, you better get your ducks in in order or you're going to go to hell. It is a problem. And it's a problem we've got to come to grips with. Just because it doesn't violate your conscience doesn't mean God is saying, oh, good boy, a good girl. No, if you can commit a sin and it doesn't bother you, you've got to stand up and let the devil know you're not going to take me to hell. I'm going to follow Jesus and I'm going to repent of my sins. I'm going to confess my faults and I'm going to have prayer. I'm a member of the family of God. I want my name right back in that last book of life. I want my name written in heaven and I'm going to turn my back on Satan. I'm going turn my back on sin. I'm going turn my back on evil and I'm going to press on. So I ask of you, Examine yourself like we've already read and make sure you don't have sin in your life that you think I'm just going to pretend it's not there. No, no, you got to get rid of it. Get rid of it. Okay, some people say, I want to just follow the religion of my forefathers, my parents, my grandparents, my great grandparents, and whoever. You know, the Apostle Paul laid it out so abundantly clear, and Jesus did. Jesus did in John 4 23 and 24. Paul did in Galatians 1 and 14 Showing that the religion of your forefathers Is okay if it was okay But if it was not okay You got to make a change When Paul in Galatians 1 and 14 He he talked about how the religion of his forefathers What he was doing Paul was not intending to be mean spirited when they put Stephen to death, or assisted in that, that's the first record we have of Paul. He was known as Saul. Acts seven and fifty-eight. When they were stoning Stephen to death, they laid their coats at a young man's feet. Acts seven and fifty-eight, whose name was Saul. That's the first time we find him mentioned in the New Testament. That Saul later became the Apostle Paul, and he said, "He said, I've lived in all good conscience before God until this day." But once he saw the light, literally, saw the light in Acts chapter 9, oh, did he ever make a change? And he was so quick to say, Lord, what will you have me to do? He was ready, not to follow the religion of his forefathers, but to follow God. I want you to know today, you need to believe what you believe because you know the Bible teaches that. Be thankful to your Father in heaven if you were raised in a Christian home. Someone took the interest in you to tell you the truth of the young person and you obeyed the gospel. Stay the course. To you and our assembly who are first generation Christians, and by that I mean your parents and your grandparents and maybe aunts, uncles, nieces, nephews, they're not members of the Lord's church, but you are. Congratulations. You've taken a difficult path, but you're where you ought to be in the Lord's church. And it's not always easy because your family may want to go do this or do that, and you can say, well, I, I can, but I'll be home before, I want to be home for the Lord's day. I want to be home for worship. You can't always follow the religion of your family If the religion of your family is wrong Paul Paul the apostle Was an educated man He was so educated He was educated Under Dr. Gamaliel Who was the doctor of the law But he was a wise man And when he found out he was wrong He sought quick ways To change that The religion of the majority Oh man that's what some people want Especially if they're in business medical doctors I've heard of medical doctors say well I go to the church downtown you know the big whatever XYZ church because that's where the business is he can draw business this way we had one tell us that before that's why I go there Jesus let me made known just because the majority do it does not make, make it right most people be lost few people be saved Matthew 7. 13 and 14. Oh, many people follow creed books and catechisms and other writings of man and don't follow the writings from God. In Matthew 15, verse 9, in Colossians 2, verse 21, in Isaiah 55, verse 8, and verse 9, it teaches you that any other writings that's not in the writings of God. Touch not, taste not, handle not. Isaiah said, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither your ways my ways, saith the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Don't follow man. That's your deal. Do not follow man. Feel free to always ask. Whoever the brother is that's teaching, you know, if there's some point that's made that you have never heard before, or you want to think about them, ask for the book chapter and verse and make sure you stay true to the scriptures. We're establishing what is the authority that came from above. Jesus Christ is the solution. You remember that question in our text? By what authority do you do these things and who gave you that authority? Jesus said in Matthew 28 and 18, all authority is given to me in heaven and in earth. That wasn't hard for the Lord to have answered, but he knew at that moment he needed to take a different approach. John 12, 48, the words that I have spoken, they're going to judge you in the last day. You know, in your Bible, read it, study it, obey it. Be a student of the word. You may just read a few verses each day, but the Bible says meditate upon them, because in the final day, we're going to be judged for what's written in this book. We're going to be judged by that. And if your name is written in the last book of life, if your name is written in heaven, it's because you've obeyed this word. If you've not obeyed it, it's not there. I ask of you today, please consider your eternal soul and where you are. Are you ready to meet your maker? If today were the end of the world, would heaven be your home? Or would Jesus say to you, I'm sorry, but depart. I don't know you. Depart from me. I've never known you. Oh, how sad of words that is. But on the flip side, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been wise over a few things, and I'll make you ruler over many things. enter thou in the joys of the Lord. I love that, but let me tell you what. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. The only way to ever hear that is to be a good and faithful servant. It's the only way to ever hear it. You'll never hear Jesus say, well, he's a good old boy. I'm going to go ahead and say it. No, no, you've got to be good and faithful to stay in the Lamb's book of life. If you're ready to meet your maker, God bless you. And if you're not, get right tonight. You've heard the word today, believe it, repent of your sins, confess the beautiful name of Jesus. I believe that Jesus Christ is Son of God. Be buried in baptism, Wash away your sins. The Lord will add you to the church daily, such as should be saved. We thank you for listening to our podcast put on by the Church of Christ at 2215 Plans Road in Bakersfield. If you would like any additional information,